Welcome to Eyewitness News at 6 with Susan Ortega, Evan Baxter, Fred Donahue, Sports, Dallas Coleman, Weather, and now Buffalo's number one news team. Good evening and welcome to Eyewitness News at 6. I'm Susan Ortega. And I'm Evan Baxter, and here's what's making news. A potential scandal with the Buffalo PD surfaced today when the mayor. <coughs> Well, the mayor demanded that the chief of the <coughs> a response to allegations. I'm sorry, I'd say perhaps something stuck in my Somebody give him some water, please. <coughs> yeah, it looks like my new co-anchor may need a glass of water. Uh-huh. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> oh. There we go. Sorry about that. <coughs> in other news, the White House Reception Committee greeted the prime rib roast minister, and I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. <coughs> I like a do da cha cha. I'm sorry, we seem to be having some technical difficulties. Good morning. <laughs> We're going to talk about how to manage your mouth today. Something that guy couldn't do. Turn to James chapter 3, verse 1. James chapter 3, verse 1 is where we're going to begin this morning as we continue our journey through the book of James. You know, we are a nation of talkers today. There's hundreds of hours of talk radio and, and talk uh, you know, television stations and TV shows that are on today. It seems like everybody's got something to say today. I recently saw some statistics on how much we speak in an average day. They said the average American has 30 conversations a day and that we're going to spend a fifth of our life talking. If that's true, then we need to learn how to manage our mouth and our words. They say in one year that you'll speak enough words to fill 66 books, 800 pages in every book. That's a lot of words. They say the average man in one day speaks about 20,000 words. The average woman in any given day speaks about 30,000 words. No comment. I'm just going to leave it at that. Heard about one guy, he was talking to his friend and he said, uh, hey, do you resent the fact that your wife always has to have the last word? And he says, oh no, I'm just glad when she gets to it. <laughs> just gonna leave it at that. That I've made all the ladies mad this morning. Some of us have a real talent for saying the wrong things at the wrong time. If you've ever been there, raise your hand with me this morning. Ever said the wrong thing at the wrong time? I heard a story about a stock boy working at a grocery store. And this uh, older lady came in and she went up to him and she said, Hey, I want to buy a half a head of lettuce. And he says, well, ma'am, we don't sell a half a head of lettuce. We sell whole heads of lettuce. She goes, no, I want to buy half a head of lettuce. Go talk to your manager, your supervisor. Make this happen. 
And the guy's rolling his eyes. And so he goes to the back to talk to his manager. And he said, man, there's this crazy old lady out here. She's nuts. She's off her rocker. She wants to buy half a head of lettuce. And what he didn't realize was she had followed him back there. She was standing right behind him. And he goes, and this other fine lady would like to buy the other half. <laughs> Quick. But if we're not careful, our mouths and our words can get us into a lot of trouble. Can I have an amen? Amen. And James has a lot to say in this five-chapter book of the Bible about our tongue and our mouth. He says something about our words in every chapter. But in chapter 3, he gives us the longest passage. It's like 12 verses where he talks about how to manage our mouth. So let's jump in. James chapter 3, verse 1. How to manage our mouth. And James says, my brother, and that's all of us as believers, let not many of you become teachers. In other words, don't everybody want to have something to say, knowing that we shall receive the stricter judgment. We're responsible and accountable for our words. For we all stumble in many things. Is that not true? We all stumble in many ways in our life. But if anyone does not stumble in his words, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Now, the word perfect here, as we've said before in James, is it, means, it doesn't mean sinless, but it means mature and healthy. He says, man, anybody that can manage their mouth and their words all the time, that is a very healthy, mature person. But unfortunately, we're not always able to manage our words. You know, you go to a doctor and you're not feeling well. And what does the doctor say? Stick out your tongue. It's something about sticking out your tongue and looking in your mouth. It reveals what's going on inside of you, both physically and spiritually, as James is going to tell us. So we've got to learn to manage our mouth. I was tempted to title this, Don't Let Your Tongue Lick You. But I thought that would be a little gross and a little weird. So we're just going to call it How to Manage Your Mouth. So we're going to answer two questions today. You have these in your notes. Why must I watch what I say? Why is it important that we manage our mouth? Why should we watch what we say? I mean, after all, we say things like, it's only words, I didn't really mean it, you know, I was just kidding around. And James is going to give us three reasons why we must watch what we say and manage our words. And with these three reasons, he's going to give us six very vivid pictures and illustrations so that we get this. It's going to get our attention today. And I'm just going to tell you guys, I'm going to prepare you today. This may be one of the most practical and convicting messages in this series because we all need need this one. As I was studying this this week, I was thinking, I need this one. So this is for all of us. So why must we watch what we say? Number one, James is going to tell us, because my tongue directs where I go. We need to manage our mouth and watch what we say because my tongue directs where I go. Words have tremendous influence and control over my life's direction and the direction of other people's lives. I mean, where are you headed in life? Where do you want to be, you know, in 10 years from now? Well, James is going to say, look at your conversation. What do you talk about the most? You know, it's been said that we shape our words and that our words shape us. And we think about the tongue. We think, well, it's just such a small part of our body. It seems insignificant, but small things can exert enormous control if we're not careful. And James gives us some very vivid pictures to illustrate how powerful our tongues can be and how they can direct our lives. Look at verse 3. James chapter 3, verse 3, he says, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, that we can direct them, and we turn their whole body. And so James here imagines this like, you know, 2,000, 3,000 pound stallion, but you put a 95 pound jockey on that horse and you put a bit in that horse's mouth, and that 95 pound jockey can direct a stallion, a horse, a racehorse, anywhere he wants it to go. And he says, our mouth is the same way. 
It directs us. Just a small bit of a word can change the course of our life or the course of somebody's else life. It directs where we go. He gives another illustration in verse 4. He says, look also at the ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned, they're directed by a very small what, church? Rudder, a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. And the next image is this giant ocean liner. And he's like, it can be battered by waves and wind, and yet a tiny little rudder can direct where that ship goes. This is a picture of the Queen Mary. The Queen Mary is 1,020 feet long. They say it's over three football fields in length. It weighs 81,237 tons, but the rudder is only 140 tons. It's very small, but yet that small little rudder can direct this massive, huge ship. And do you see the illustration James is trying to get us? If you do, say yes. Our words are like a rudder. They either keep us on course in our life or they direct us off course. Just our, our, our tongue, our words that we say, they have huge influence on the direction of our lives and the lives of others. You know, I think about as parents. Your parents, hopefully you've, you've learned by now with your kids that your words can build them up. They can tear them down. The things that you say to your kids now can direct their lives forever. I meet grown adults today that are still wounded and hurt because of something their parents or somebody said to them when they were younger. It set them on a course and it directed their life. It can, it can direct in a good way. It can direct in a bad way. I, I want to share something very personal with you guys this morning that, uh, about your pastor this probably is going to be a little bit uh, surprising and shocking to some of you guys, but um, I've always been a little vertically challenged. I know that's, I know that's shocking to you guys. And uh, so growing up, you know, going to school, you know, I've heard all the, the words, you know, shrimp and shorty and, you know, all these kinds of things that could have had a negative direction on my life. But my mom and dad were awesome. They were so great at always encouraging me and believing in me and saying, you know, you can do whatever you set your mind to, whatever God has for your life. And I can honestly tell you to this day, a lot of where I am and what I'm doing and being in ministry and getting up and talking to you guys every week is because I had parents that were so encouraging and, and uplifting with their words and set a course for my life. Our words can give direction. For good or for bad. You know, our words can change and direct the conversation and change the atmosphere of a room. If you're talking to somebody and you're saying, hey, I really, I love you. I appreciate you. I am so glad you're in my life. You're so meaningful to me. That just makes people feel good. It, it, it brings a good atmosphere to the room. But you can say things like, you know, get out of my face. Why are you here? I wish I'd have never met you. I wish you'd never been born. Man, that can change the atmosphere of a room, the direction of a room as well. Our words, our tongue is such a small part of our body, but it has huge power to direct us and steer us. You know, James uses the word here uh, of the, the, the rudder. He says that the ship is turned by a small rudder. This word turn can also mean it's steered. Our tongue, our words, they're the steering wheel of our life and other people's lives. It's the guiding system. And if you don't like where you're headed, James would say, well, maybe you need to change your words, change your conversation, learn to manage your mouth. And sometimes when we don't have anything good to say, it's best to say nothing. Proverbs has a lot to say about our mouth. And in Proverbs 21, 23, it says this, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Some of us need to start every day memorizing that verse right there. 
just sometimes it's best to just not say anything. I heard a story about a man who wanted to be a monk. And so he went to this monastery and he talked to the head monk and he said, I want to be a monk. And the guy said, well, you have to take a three-year vow of silence. He's like, okay. And he said, so, but every year in those three years, you go one year, no words. You can't say any words. And then at the end of that year, you can say two words. So choose them wisely. So the first year he took his vow of silence, he didn't say anything. And he went to the head monk to say his two words after the end of one year. And he said, bed hard. And he went on. Another year, didn't say anything. End of the year, he had two words to say. Food cold. He had one more year of vow of silence. He spent that year, he didn't say anything. And he went to the head monk and he said two words. I quit. The head monk said, well, it doesn't surprise me. All you've done is complain since you got here. <laughs> Sometimes it's best to just keep our mouth shut. Proverbs 13.3 says, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Can I have an amen? Sometimes opening our mouth can ruin everything. So why must I watch what I say? James says, you need to manage your words and watch what you say because our tongue, our words direct where we're going. We need to learn to control it. Here's another reason we need to watch what we say because my tongue can destroy what I have. My tongue has the power to destroy what I have. Look at what James says in verse 5. He says, even so the tongue is a little member, small part of the body, and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? James imagines here this beautiful, green, lush forest. And now picture it all going up in smoke, destroyed by fire and charred by fire. And, and it's destroyed, and it probably started with just one little spark. And our words... One word can spark a fire that rages out of control and can destroy our life and the lives of others and relationships. You know, we know something about um, fires that destroy here in Colorado. One of the most famous was in 2002, the Hayman Fire. And it destroyed over 138,000 acres. It spent over $40 million fighting that fire. Uh, six people lost their lives trying to fight that fire. And there's still, we're not completely certain what started it, but we know there was a lady named Terry Barton, and she was put on trial for it. And she said that what started the fire was she took a letter from her estranged husband, and she wanted to burn his words. And there was a fire ban, and she tried to burn them. And that started this massive 138,000 acre fire because she wanted to burn somebody's words you know our words can start just with a spark it only takes a spark doesn't it only takes a careless word at the wrong place at the wrong time that can destroy a life our life or somebody else's you know gossip is like fire it's a spark and then it spreads quickly and it can wreak havoc and, and, and we all have seen it I mean how many lives have been destroyed by some words somebody said how many people have lost their career because of something they said. How many people have lost their marriage because of a bad choice of words or, or their reputation? I've seen churches destroyed because of people's words. We've seen friendships destroyed. That's what James is saying. We've got to watch our words because they can destroy what we have. And you know, let me say this, because James, when he wrote this 2,000 years ago, he didn't know about the World Wide Web that we have today. And I think if James was writing to this to us today, he wouldn't just say, watch what you say with your mouth, but he would say, watch what you say with your fingers and watch what you say with your thumbs and, and the words we choose because we can, we can text something, we can tweet something, we can put something on Facebook 
that can start a fire that rages out of control and that can go all around the world and hurt relationships. And we need to be careful with our words that we use in our social media. Amen? You know what, you know what else I've I found? We've got to be careful with our words when we're texting. We've got to be careful with autocorrect. Anybody besides me had to be careful at managing the autocorrect? And before you push send, like do a little quick proofread. True story that happened to me this last summer. True story about your pastor. Our son Caleb was, uh, he got picked up, drafted to play on this uh, collegiate baseball team. And they were called the Denver Generals. And so we were going to his first game and I tweeted out, excited to go to Caleb's first college baseball game. Hashtag. And I was trying to say, go genitals. Yep, you got it right. It said, go genitals. I said, Shelly, look what I just about tweeted. Yeah, laugh, laugh it up. Yeah. True story. I'm not making it up. So you got to manage the autocorrect. Before you push sin, watch what you're saying. Because James says one wrong word can start a firestorm. Have you ever met a verbal arsonist? I have. People that, man, say the wrong word, wrong time, it just starts a fire. We can burn people with what we say. We've all heard the little pithy saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Whoever wrote that, that's ridiculous. Words can be very hurtful. They can be very harmful. They can destroy relationships. But here's the good news. Fire, like words, and words like fire under control can have positive benefits. They, you know, fire, when it's under control, can bring warmth. And it can be, bring light. But when, when fire and words are out of control, it can be de- devastating and you can lose everything. But my tongue can destroy what I have. Proverbs 18.20 says this. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. Our words are so powerful. They can build up. They can tear down. You know, I like to think of it this way. We all carry around these imaginary two pails. One pail is a pail of water and one pail is a pail of gasoline. And when we start hearing other people's words and gossip and rumors, we decide which pail we're going to use. We could take the the pail of water and we could extinguish it and say, you know, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to talk about that. That has involved me. Or we could take our pail of gasoline. We can pour it on the fire and make things worse. We have a choice how we manage our words. James says this in verse 6, talking about our words starting like a fire. He says, and it sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. You might want to circle the word course. Our words follow a course. They follow a direction. Words create or can create a chain reaction of events. One little wrong word said here leads to something else that leads to something else. A few inflammatory statements can set off this chain reaction that can destroy things and relationships. You know, dad comes home and he's had a bad day and he's upset and he yells at mom and mom gets upset and she yells at the oldest kid and he yells at the younger brother who kicks the dog, or, you know, who bites the cat, which that's okay, and scratches the baby and the baby rips the head off the Barbie doll. You know, it's this chain reaction. I know in marriage counseling, I've been talking to people before and they'll, they'll say, well, how, how'd it go last week? You know, we're trying to improve this marriage. Oh, man, we, we, we had it out. We had this big blow up. We had this big fight. Well, what happened? Well, he said this, and she said this, and he said this. And before we knew it, all hell broke loose. That's exactly what James is talking about right here. Our words can start a fire that can make all hell break loose. 
in our relationships. And you know, we can say things and start a fire. and We can put the fire out and we can say we're sorry. But long after the fire is gone, the scars still remain, don't they? Call them burn scars. You can go around Colorado and you can still, still to this day see the burn scars from some of the major wildfires that we've had. It takes years and years and years for those things to heal and be repaired. Our words are the same way. David the psalmist was sharing and pouring out his heart about his words. And listen to what he said in Psalm 39, 1-3. He said, I said to myself, I'll watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I'll hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. But as I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things, the turmoil within me grew worse. And the more I thought about it, the hotter I got, igniting a fire of words. I think we can all probably identify with David and what he's saying. That sometimes we can ignite a, a fire with wrong words. And then next, James uses another illustration to show us how our words can destroy what we have. And he uses a zoo illustration, talking about animals. Verse 7 and 8, he says, For every kind of beast, animal, and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But look at verse 8. But no man can tame what, church? The tongue. No man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil. It's full of deadly poison. James says, man, we, we've tamed all the animals. I mean, we've tamed Lassie and Benji and Flipper and Shamu. But nobody can tame the tongue. Humanly speaking, the tongue is untamable. He uses the word here, unruly. The tongue is an unruly evil. Meaning it's, it's always liable to break out at any time like an animal, a wild animal, and destroy people and relationships and careers and reputations. He says it, the tongue is full of deadly poison. This word poison literally means snake venom. It just takes a few drops to kill and destroy and harm. The tongue is a deadly weapon. We can assassinate people's reputation with our words and what we say. And James says in verse 8, no man can tame the tongue. That's a biblical statement. No man can tame the tongue. But here's the good news. God can. And we'll get to that in just a moment. No man can tame the tongue, but God can. Why must we watch what we say? Why must we manage our mouth? Because James says, my tongue directs where I go. My tongue can destroy what I have. And here's the third thing. Because my tongue displays who I am. We need to watch what we say. I need to watch what I say because my tongue displays who I am. It reveals my real character inside. Verse 9 and 10 James says, with our mouth, with our tongue, with it we bless our God and Father at one minute, and with it we curse men the next minute, who have been made in the similitude or the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings one minute and cursings the next. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Would you agree with James? These things ought not be so. I mean, how is it we can come to church and we can be so nice to everybody? Oh, good morning. How you doing? Great to see you. Love you, brother. We come in here. We sing worship songs to God. And we sing with all our heart and we praise God with our mouth. And then we get in the car and we argue about where we're going for lunch or what we're doing this afternoon or who's doing the chores. It's amazing how quickly we can change our words. We're like D Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is what James is saying. One minute we're praising God and the next minute we're going, shut up told you this one's really practical today. 
Then tongue, James says, is this, it can be this incredible contradiction in our life. And in verse 9, notice what James says. He says, you know, we bless God with our tongue, but we curse men. Now, when we think of the word curse, we think of cuss words. But it doesn't, this word curse doesn't necessarily mean profanity. It can mean that. It just means all kinds of put-downs. You know, snide comments, put-downs, being mean, being rude, all of those things. And James is using strong words here to get our attention. He's using these vivid pictures here to get our attention. He want, he's trying to make us uncomfortable. And I would say, James, you have succeeded. You know, and before I bring these messages to you guys, I have to apply them to my own life. And I got to be honest with you, as I was studying this this week, man, I was convicted. You know, I know God has given me the gift of, of, of teaching and the gift of speaking and the ability to do that. But that can be a blessing and it can be a curse because I've always got something quick. I'm quick to say something. I've always got a word. And sometimes I say something, I go, oh, why did I say that? Why, why, why did I say that? That, that, could, that could have been hurtful to somebody. And, and, and as I read this and I, and I studied this and I, I applied it to my own life, I thought, man, you know, James is, is trying to get our attention to say this really ought to bother us. And I'll tell you, it bothered me. It ought to bother us that one minute we can be praising God and the next minute saying things to people that are hurtful and damaging and to people we love and that we care about. And sometimes, I'll be honest, I struggle with that. Anybody else with me? And I feel bad about it. And James is going, what gives? Why do we do that? And when we do that, we feel so bad. We feel so convicted. And we, we go, ah, what causes me to do that? Well, James gives us the answer. and He tells us why. In verse 11 and 12, he says, he asks a question. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? And the answer is what? No. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? No. Or a grapevine bear figs? No. Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. What's James telling us? He says, if you're going to manage your mouth, we got to consider the source. He's saying whatever is in the well is going to come out in the bucket. He's given us this picture. Whatever is in the tree is going to come out in the fruit. You know, what's the likelihood of an apple tree producing an orange? Zero. It's not going to happen. And what James is trying to get our attention and tell all of us here is this. My problem is not my tongue. It's really my heart. My mouth eventually reveals what's really inside of all of us. You know, and sometimes we say things and we feel bad about it. And we make excuses. Say, well, I don't know what came over me. I don't know what I said that. It's not like, it's really not in me to say that. And James would say, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It, it came out of you because it came from you. You meant it. Your mouth is just displaying who you really are and what's on the inside. You know, Jesus told us this too, didn't he? In Matthew 12, 34, Jesus said, For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Whatever's in your heart determines what you say. You see, Jesus explained the Freudian slip before Freud did. My tongue simply displays what I am. James says we've got to learn to manage our mouth. We've got to learn to watch what we say because it directs where I go. It can destroy what I have and it displays who we really are. It's powerful stuff. 
Very convicting, very practical. We must watch what we say. Here's the truth. If we have a problem with our mouth, it's much more serious than we think. It's really not a problem with our mouth. It's a problem with our, with our heart. We have a heart problem. So that brings us to the second question. Based on what James has taught us here, how can we learn to watch what we say and manage our mouth? What's the solution? Let me give you three very practical things from the Word of God. How we can watch what we say and learn to manage our mouth. If you're feeling convicted like I was as I studied this, okay, what can I do? Because I, I, I'm tired of saying things and regretting it. I'm tired of having to say I'm sorry. I'm tired of having to eat my words. I'm tired of saying things and then even after the fire is out, there's still damage. If anybody else is with me, here's three things we can do. First thing is this. You've got to get a new heart. Get a new heart because that's where it comes from. Ezekiel 18.31 says, Put all your rebellion behind you and find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. You say, okay, great. I know I need a new heart. How do I get a new heart? Well, here's the great news, church. Our God specializes in heart transplants. Amen? He can give us a new heart. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and everything has become what? new. He can give us a new heart. God specializes in new hearts and new starts. You see, it doesn't help to paint the pump if there's poison water in the well. David said it this way in Psalm 51.10. He prayed this to God and he already shared with us that he had trouble with his mouth at times. David did. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. Ask God to forgive your past, to forgive your words, to give you a fresh start. God doesn't want us to just turn over a new leaf. He wants to give us a new life. He doesn't want to just change our heart. He wants to give us a new heart. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the place to start. When you accept Christ, He gives you a new heart. He gives you a new start. He gives you a new life to help you manage your mouth and manage the rest of life. And so if you want to learn to watch what you say and you know that you need to do a better job of managing your mouth, the first thing is get a new heart. God will give it to you. The second practical thing is this. Ask God for help. And for many of us, that means daily. Maybe before our feet hit the floor every day, we need to ask God to help us to manage our mouth. Psalm 141.3 says this. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Some of us need to memorize that verse. And we need to pray that verse back to God every day and maybe several times a day morning, noon, and night, before we go to work, while we're at lunch, before we go home to be with our family, ask God for help. God, take control of what I say, oh Lord. Guard my lips. Help me to manage my mouth. You see, because we need supernatural power. Because you and I, we can't do it on our own. Remember what James already told us. It's a biblical truth. No man can tame the tongue, but God can. Do you believe that, church? Say yes. So we've got to ask for God's help. I like the way uh, theologian Sidlow Baxter, in one of his books, he said this. really got my attention. He said, the proof of being spirit-filled is not that we speak in some unknown tongue, but that we control the tongue that we do know. Strong words. You know, maybe we need to get into God's word more and let God's word. Because you've heard the saying, garbage in, garbage out. God's word in, God's word comes out. And God's word is true and it's right, it's uplifting and it's encouraging. 
You know, for some of you, maybe if you're struggling to manage your mouth, do a thematic study of the book of Proverbs. And there are so many Proverbs about our words and our mouth and, and using our words in a wise way. Uh, when people ask me, you know, I want to start reading the Bible, but I don't know where to start. I always say, well, start in Proverbs because there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. There's one chapter for every day of the month. You know, if it's the 19th of the month, you read the 19th chapter of Proverbs. And almost every chapter has something to say about helping us manage our mouth. Because the only way for us to get control of our tongue is to let Jesus have control of our heart. Let Jesus take the, the bit of our mouth and our heart and control it. Let Jesus have control of the rudder of our life. How can we watch what we say? We've got to get a new heart. We've got to ask God for help. And then this one is very practical. You can take this home. You can put this into practice today. Think before you speak. If you know you need to do a better job of managing your mouth, think before you speak. Didn't James already tell us this in James chapter 1, verse 19? He said, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen. Most of us are good at being quick to speak. He says, be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. You know what James is telling us? Engage your mind before you put your mouth into gear. That's what he's saying. Think before you speak. Let me help you with this, with an acrostic of the word think. Five things. If we would all do this, it would change our conversations dramatically and radically. Think before you speak. Before you speak, T, ask yourself, is it true? What am I about to say? Is it true? Or is this a rumor? Is this gossip? Is this true? H, is it helpful? Because if it's not helpful, it's probably going to be hurtful. Before you speak, think, H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? Is it inspiring? What I'm about to say, is it going to encourage somebody? Is it going to build them up or tear them down? You see, our words have the power like an elevator to bring people up or to bring people down. And we should ask ourselves, we should think, before I say this, is this going to inspire? Is this going to encourage? In, is it necessary? This is the one I have to be careful of. You know, the Bible says we're to speak the truth in love. And let me say this. For those of you that, you know, maybe have something quick to say, sometimes God has gifted us with words to say that nobody else are, is willing to say that need to be said. The Bible says speak the truth in love. And sometimes there's things that are necessary. Sometimes it's not what we don't say, but what we do need to say that nobody else is willing to say. The Bible says faithful the wounds of a friend. And sometimes the right words can challenge or convict or encourage, you know, somebody in, in the right way. But sometimes we just have to ask the question, is it necessary? Okay, it may be true, you know, it, it may be true, but is it necessary? Is this the right time? Is this the right place? Is this the right spirit? Is it necessary? And then K, is it kind? Is it kind? Or is it mean? Is it rude? Man, if we would just take those five things before we speak and ask ourselves those questions, how many of you would agree our conversations next week would probably be different than last week? Very powerful. Think before we speak. Is it true? Is it helpful, inspiring, necessary, and kind? What, what do, let me ask you as we wrap this up. What does your tongue and your mouth and your words say about you? They're saying something. I mean, if we were able to go back and play a tape of all of our words and conversations last week for everyone here today, what would that say about each and every one of us? I look around and some of you are like, oh, please don't do that. 
What direction is your tongue leading you? Because our mouths are all saying something about us. I I heard a story about a, a king. And he brought two jesters in before him. And he commissioned these two jesters. He said, I want you to go around the world. And to one of the jesters, he said, I want you to find the worst thing in the world that you can find. And bring it back to me. And to the other gesture, he said, I want you to, to go around the world. I want you to find the best thing in the world that you can find. And in a month, come back to me. And in a month, they both came back. And they both brought the very same thing, a tongue. Because a tongue, and our words, can be the best thing in the world when used properly and when God is in control of them. Or they can be the worst thing in the world. Our tongues can provide blessings or bitterness to all of our relationships. Boy, James really got us all today, didn't he? We need to learn to manage our mouths. And when we do, we'll experience the blessings of words controlled by God. Would you bow with me this morning? Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you would say, you know what? Wow, James really spoke to me today. I need God's help in managing my mouth. My words, I seem to have a talent for my words getting me in trouble. And God has spoken to my heart today. Maybe for some of you, you you need to confess some things to God first. And he will forgive you. The Bible says we confess our sins. He's faithful, just, forgive us, and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And then you need, maybe some of you need to go to some other people. You need to say to your spouse, to your kids, someone in your family or at work, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I said some words that were damaging and hurtful, and, and that was wrong. And how many of you here this morning, you would be honest enough and humble enough to say, you know what, I needed this message today from James. I need to do a better job of managing my words. Pastor Doug, would you pray for me that I would apply these truths from James today? Would you slip up your hand all across this auditorium? Put it up high. Pray for me. I need to do a better job managing my words. God bless you. Hands are in every section, all over. A lot of hands. Mine's up with you. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that we would apply the book of James today, James chapter 3. Thank you for James using powerful words and imagery to get our attention today, that we have to learn to manage our mouths. Lord, I know it spoke to my heart. Help us to be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to get angry. Help us to choose words wisely, words that will build up and not tear down. Lord, help us to learn to manage our mouths. Help us to be doers of your word and not just hearers only, Lord. We want to submit and give you the rain of our heart and our mouths today, that you would take the rudder and you would take the bit of our mouth and you would control it and you would direct it, that we would pray every day that, and ask for your help, that you would guard our lips and guard our words and we would say things that would be pleasing to you and edifying and encouraging to others. Lord, help us to manage our mouths better than maybe we have. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, no one looking around. If, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's where it begins. You can't learn to manage your mouth and let you, unless you let Jesus manage your life and your heart. And that begins by putting your faith and trust in Jesus. If you've never done that, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. You can pray right now a prayer of faith from your heart to God and you can ask Jesus to come into your life. To give you new life, a fresh start, a new heart. If that's you today, I want to lead you in a prayer of faith that you can pray from your heart to God's right now, right where you said. You can have all your sins forgiven. You can have eternal life and a new start today. 
I'll, I'll, I'll help you with the prayer. It's not a magic prayer. It's not magic words. But if you put faith and belief behind it, Jesus will come into your life today. And he'll, he'll give you a new heart and a new start. And it goes like this. Pray it with me if you're ready to accept Jesus today. Jesus, come into my life. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. You rose again. Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. I accept you by faith as my Lord and my Savior. Direct my mouth, direct my life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving and saving me. Thank you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time, I want to personally pray for you and your new walk with Jesus and your journey with Him. Would you just slip up your hand real quick so I can see it? God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. I prayed that prayer of faith to invite Jesus in today. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Several hands. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for all those putting their faith and trust in you today, for giving them a new heart and a fresh start, new life. I pray that they would grow in their relationship with you in the days ahead as they spend time in your word, as you speak to them, as they spend time in prayer and they talk to you. Lord, as a church, we reach out to them. We love them. We accept them like you do. We meet them where you do, right where they are, with grace and mercy and love and forgiveness and help us to disciple them to maturity and grow in their faith journey with you. We, we welcome them into the family of God as brothers and sisters in Christ today. Lord, help us to manage our mouths for your honor and your glory. And thank you for decisions today as we apply your word to our life. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate decisions for Christ this morning? Amen. If you made a decision to accept Christ today, you pray that prayer of faith, please let us know about that. We want to continue to pray for you by name. We want to send you a little book in the mail to help you in your journey with Christ. So check your connection card, drop in the offering bucket as it goes by so we can give you that, uh, that book in the mail. If you're a first-time guest today, thank you so much for joining us here at Orchard Church. We hope we've been as much a blessing to you as you've blessed us with your presence today. If you filled out your first-time guest connection card, drop that in the offering bucket as it goes by so we can just thank you for being our guest, send you a free gift in the mail. Uh, tonight, we've got our harvest party. You guys excited about that right here Prairie View High School right here in the parking lot at 5 o'clock to 7. Bring the whole family out. It's a great outreach event to our community. So hope you'll come out tonight for that. Let's stand as we close in a response of worship through song, worship through giving. God bless you guys. We'll see you tonight.